one of my favorite things to do is to go to national parks and go hiking, and I've just seen so many beautiful places, and, and every time I get out, um, I, I love to do these long hikes where I just get, you know, over 10 miles away from the trailhead, you know, nobody's out there hardly, and, and you just can see so many beautiful things, and every time I have the opportunity to do that, I'm just reminded of how big and how vast and, and how beautiful um, and how creative God is. And, and it just blows my mind sometimes and helps me to connect with him. And that song just, just really takes me to those places when I sing it um, and helps me to, for my attention and gaze to really focus on God. Um, part of um, Ignatian spirituality that started with St. Ignatius, um, they, they teach this concept that, that we serve a God who is always greater. And, and I love that idea that we, we worship a God who is always greater. Um, always greater than anything that we're facing around us and in front of us. Uh, the things that are going to be before us or behind us or the challenges that we're facing or the, the, the difficulties facing our nation right now. Like, we serve a God who is always greater. And, and that gives me courage. And that gives me strength to keep moving forward when I remember that, that, that God is, is powerful and that God is bigger than you know, it's not like, I don't know, that could be kind of a, a thing we just say that God is bigger, but do we really believe that? And if we believe that, it ought to impact the way that we live. I want to read our, our scripture for today. We're not going to get into all the verses of this scripture. Uh, it's an interesting one. There's a lot of challenging stuff in it. I think next week we'll probably um, revisit some of the things in this scripture for today. Today I'm mostly going to focus on one verse um, from this scripture, but I do want to read the whole thing for you. And it's going to be from Luke chapter 9. So if you want to turn in your Bibles, we won't have it on the screen this morning. But Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 62. We're back in the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to stay in Luke all the way, um, I think all the way to, to Advent. And so all the way to the end of November, at least, we'll be in the Gospel of Luke. If you don't know where Luke is, it's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. The third book in the New Testament. It's all about Jesus. So it says, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. It's important. He begins his journey to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there in that village did not welcome him because he was headed for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy them? I told you it was intense. Uh, but Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he is and his disciples went on to another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back, is fit for service in the kingdom of God. It's a lot of challenging stuff and a lot of wonderful things in these verses that 
Um, we're going to talk about some next week because our text for this week is, is rooted and really connected to our text for the following week as well. And so we're going to get into some of that. What I want to do is I want to go back to the beginning of Luke for a moment, to Luke chapter 1. And this is a prophecy from Zechariah, and it was about Jesus. All right. And so I want to read just a section of this prophecy in Luke chapter 1, verses 76 through 79. And he's talking about Jesus before Jesus is born. He says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for Him, to give His people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of my God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. I want to hone in on that last line, to guide our feet into the path of peace. Now, I've never noticed that particular verse until this past week. I've read Luke many times, but I've never really noticed that particular line about guiding our feet into the path of peace. And I love that line because it's really the essence of what Jesus is about. Jesus came to guide our feet into the path of peace, to guide our feet on this path that leads to peace, that leads to wholeness, that leads to freedom. Jesus came to guide us and to show us how to walk with our feet in the way of peace. We are on a journey with Jesus. We are walking along a path that leads to something really, really good. Today I want to talk about a simple, but extremely important way, I think, to think about our lives as Christians. This is really how I've come to think about my faith. That the life of faith is a walk. It is a journey. It is walking with Jesus each and every day. So our faith is a journey. It's a walk. I've come to see, personally, this is my own opinion, but I do not believe that being a Christian is just about this kind of one-time decision to believe in Jesus. It's not about just about forgiveness of sins. It's not just about getting into heaven one day. It's not just about believing the right things. But fundamentally, to be a Christian for me is to walk with Jesus. It's to wake up each and every day and decide to keep walking with Jesus. To keep following His way, even when it can be really challenging. The life of faith for me is not about believing a set of propositions or beliefs about God. The life of faith is saying yes to Jesus over and over and over and over again. It's truly walking with Jesus every single moment of the day. It's not about religion. For me, it's about faith. And faith is trusting courage that Jesus, the guide, is going to lead us in the right direction. It's about walking with Him. You know, my wife and I, we love to walk. Uh, we walk a lot. Um, we walk to work uh, many days out of the week because we live very close to here. We like to go on walks in the evenings, though recently it's been very hot, so I haven't necessarily loved those walks. Um, we like to hike. Does anybody here like to walk? 
is my mic. I think it just went out. It's back on. Um, I see some of y'all like to walk. Um, I think my love for walking was really solidified probably about six years ago. I, I'd always liked to walk, but it really like hit home for me that I do love this. Um, and it was six years ago in 2016 when I had the opportunity to um, go on a pilgrimage in Spain. It's an ancient path that we walked um, called the Camino de Santiago. Now, the whole path is 500 miles. Um, we did 300 of those 500, so we did pretty good. We didn't, we didn't have time to do the whole thing, um, but we, uh, we skipped kind of a section in the middle of the Camino. But what would happen is every day on the Camino, we would wake up every day, probably around 5.30 a.m. or so, we would pack up our backpacks and we would walk to the next place. It was a 21-day journey, lots of ups and downs, lots of joys and struggles, but it was an amazing, just like life-changing experience for us. I want to show you just a few uh, photos. Um, this is the beginning. As you can see, it says 790. That's kilometers. Um, but that's me and Laura and then Audrey and Isabel, um, who are, are now uh, young adults now who have uh, finished school. And, and, and they, they actually came with us. They were youth in our, in our youth programs here at the time. Um, so that was at the beginning of it, at the journey. We looked kind of refreshed in that moment. You can keep going through them, Tim. Um, there's me and Laura after a few days of hiking. You can see I got a knee brace on my knee. It kind of hurt my knee partway through the adventure. You can keep going. Lots of roads like this that we're walking. Lots of fun steps. There's me. Uh, you know, I... That was a particularly fun day, you know, I was just like, really, do I got to keep walking? Laura loves to capture me in moments like this in my life when I, I just look like I'm loving life, you know? There's a lot of photos on my phone just like this, of all moments of my life. We got to go through these really cool, just like old cities, you know, in Europe where we would walk down these paths. You can keep going. Uh, this was more in some dry area, but you can imagine, you know, you, far as you can see, you see the trail, and you're like, we just got to keep walking, got to keep walking. It's just such a beautiful, uh, often we're on roads, sometimes we're mountains, sometimes on dirt paths. Um, there's me, you know, we had these hiking poles, I realized those actually kind of help uh, a little bit. And then there's the end at Santiago de Compostela at the end of the journey, um, we made it to the end. We were looking pretty happy at that point. Um, I think that's, is that the last one? I think that's the last one there. Um, but you can clear that off the screen now. But, but basically every day on this journey, you know, we had to decide we were going to get up and keep going. Keep walking. And I'll tell you, to be honest with you, some days I didn't want to get up and keep going. <laughs> I did not want to go. Some days we were exhausted. 5.30 came pretty quick, you know, particularly when you're sleeping in a hostel and there's, you know, some of the hostels were huge. There were like 100 people, over 100 people in a room and, and snoring and all sorts of stuff. The earplugs don't really help when you got really loud snores right next to you. Uh, it was pretty rough. Um, some days, you know, it was really hot and there was like no shade for miles and miles and miles. Some days we argued uh, while we were hiking and we're like, why are we even here? This is ridiculous, you know. Uh, Laura and I got worked through a lot of things in our marriage while in the Camino. Uh, it was great. Um, I'm sure Audrey and Isabel loved that part of the trip. Um, we would stop to take breaks sometimes for lunch or to get a snack and, and air conditioning, and we're like loving it. And I'm like, do we really have to keep walking? I'm like, yeah, we got another 10 miles to go, you know. 
And, and I, it was just hard, you know. And until the journey was done, we just had to get up and we had to keep walking. We had to keep moving forward until we reached our destination. And I'll tell you, when we reached the end of our journey on the Camino, to be honest, like, it was kind of a letdown. Like, when I got to the end goal, like, I was kind of like, I was excited to a degree, but I was also kind of sad uh, to reach the end. I felt accomplished, but I was actually sad that the journey was over, and I also realized that, like, getting to the end was not as exciting as I thought it would be. And what I learned through that experience is not that the destination was not great, but, but really what I found is that for, for us, like, the journey was really the destination. Like, the day-to-day, the grind, all the things we experienced along the way were really what brought about the transformation and the growth and brought the most joy to our experiences. You know, I found when, Laura and I found when we go hiking, we, you know, often it's like hiking to some big overlook, but often it's like the journey to get there is really the most profound for me. It's the journey that teaches us. It's the journey that brings the wisdom and the life and the change. The transformational part of our time in Spain was really that daily grind of waking up each and every day and choosing to keep walking. The Greek philosophers back in the day uh, often would describe life as a walk. And walking on pilgrimage for me was deeply powerful and it has been deeply powerful for many of the world religions for a really long time. For other folks like Nelson Mandela, who was really working for change in South Africa, he described his journey of faith as a long walk of freedom. Black freedom fighters have deeply resonated with the image of walking and marching together towards freedom. Walking has has been a powerful practice and image for so many who are seeking deeper meaning and change and purpose and fulfillment. I was eating downtown on Friday night at a restaurant and saw some some protesters. They were marching together. This image of walking and marching and moving together has been so powerful for folks for a long time. For Paul in the New Testament, he talks about how we need to walk in a manner that is worthy of God and the kingdom for which he's called us to be a part of. The walk is really important to so many throughout history. You know, years ago, I was talking about this the other day on Friday night. Uh, I don't know if any of y'all went to the Ichthus Music Festival uh, as, 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 like, maybe as adults or younger people. Um, I was there a lot, you know, as a kid and with youth group. And then when I got into college, um, I went back, and I wanted to get a free ticket. And so I signed up to be an altar minister. It's probably not the greatest motivation, you know, to go and pray with people and whatnot, but we're like, we can get in for free. And my friend was like, being an altar minister, praying with folks is like the, the easiest kind of job you can get. And I was like, okay, sounds good. And I don't, I'm not proud of it, but I'm just being straight up with y'all. I wasn't the most mature freshman in college, probably. Um, so I signed up to be an altar minister. And, you know, I was taking it somewhat seriously. But they trained us, kind of, we went to a training on lead someone to Christ. And... And it was an interesting training to be a part of. But they were saying basically like after Louis Giglio or whoever was there, like give this great sermon, like, you know, people are going to line up to the tent and want to like get saved and give their lives to Jesus, you know. And so we got to be prepared. And so they trained me on this. And one of the images that they taught me, and you all probably seen this one before. I don't have a picture of it this morning, but I'll describe it. It's an image of like two cliffs. 
All right, so you have the cliff over here, big drop-off. You have a cliff over here and like a big kind of canyon separating the two cliffs. So on one cliff, you have sin and death. And on the other side, you have like God and life and, and freedom and all that, right? But there's a big canyon in between, so you can't get from one cliff to the other. And so what they described is that you put a cross in the middle of the two cliffs, and it serves as a cool bridge, you know, that can make you, help you walk from sin and death over to Jesus and to life, all right? And so the cross is Jesus, and that's the bridge that helps us to get to life. Now, one night at Ichthus, I was in the tent, and a guy about my age came. I was terrified, by the way, of doing this job. I don't know why I signed up for it, because I was just like... Even today, I'm a, I'm a pastor and I'd still be a little bit nervous, you know, to be in that tent. Um, but but like, I was like terrified. I was like, why am I here? And this guy comes forward and he's about my age and like had a genuine experience with God. And he was like, I, want, I just want more purpose and meaning in my life. I want to give my life to whatever Jesus is about. I want to follow his path and all this. And, and so I'm like, I get out the image and I'm like, well, Here's the thing, there's a cliff here and a cliff here, and there's a cross. And I try to explain this whole image to him, and, and it fell so flat. You know, it was disingenuous, it was insincere. Um, and, and, and as I look back, like this guy came to the tent feeling called to a life of meaning and purpose. And I gave him this boring, uncompelling vision of being saved from hell. And, and I look back on that, and I think, that part of our problem is that when we talk about Jesus and we talk about faith and what it means to be a Christian, we've kind of skipped the journey and we've jumped straight to the destination. We talk about Jesus being born on Christmas and then we jump straight to the cross and the resurrection. But Jesus lived a whole life in between that. And in the Gospels, we have at least about three years worth of wonderful material where Jesus is teaching his disciples, he's modeling for them how to live this life of faith. This profound journey, showing them, training them, getting to know them, preparing them how they can carry on his mission. Essentially, he's doing what that prophecy predicted. He's guiding their feet into the path of peace, showing them how to live, showing them how to live. But what's happened in a lot of Christianity in our world is that we've skipped over all that. We've jumped straight, straight to the cross and we've missed so much of Jesus' teachings and his examples. And we desperately need Jesus' example right now in our world today. You know, I don't really like the bridge illustration anymore. Um, and no offense if you love it. Um, you can love it. That's fine. There's a lot of different ways to describe Jesus and what he means. That's how multifaceted and how wonderful Jesus is, is that there's so many ways to describe what he has done for us. And so that does describe part of it, right? But it's not the full picture. My relationship to God is way more than just a one-time event of crossing that bridge and being forgiven. My life of faith cannot be boiled down to praying a prayer at an altar and receiving a sin cleansing and then being saved from hell. It's way more than that. My life of faith has been a journey of walking with Jesus every day, trying my best to stay on track. And I'll tell you, it has been hard. <laughs> it has been really hard. It's also been really awesome. It's been full of joy, but it's also been abounding and overflowing with struggle. <laughs> 
And in our text for today, there's so much to unpack like I I showed you, but we're going to come back to some of that, but I just want to focus in on one verse. Luke 9.51 is probably the most important shift in the whole Gospel of Luke, and it says that Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. And then NIV, it says he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He made a choice. I'm going to Jerusalem, and I know what's waiting for me there. I'm going to confront the powers, the religious and political powers there that, that are against what I stand for, but I'm going anyways. And you know what happens to Jesus when he gets to Jerusalem. This marks an important shift in the Gospel of Luke for the next many chapters. And really, for us, all the way until November, we're going to be in this part of Luke where Jesus is on his journey to Jerusalem. And on this journey, Jesus is going to model for us how to live. He's going to teach a lot. And essentially, he's going to fulfill that prophecy from chapter 1 that he's going to guide our feet in the path of peace. And the question isn't, is Jesus going to Jerusalem? Because he, he was going no matter what. But the question is, are we willing to go with him? Are we going to listen to him? Are we going to watch him? Are we going to follow him on the journey of peace? You know, people who uh, understand the geography of the ancient Near East, um, folks like Jackie Jay would probably pick up on this as reading through the Gospels. But when you read through this section of Luke and his journey towards Jerusalem, it's a little bit haphazard how he gets there. It's not a straight path, you know? Um, it's kind of like he goes here, 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 and eventually he makes his way to Jerusalem. It wasn't efficient, it, it was certainly not a straight line, it was a bit chaotic of a path. And it takes him many chapters to get there. And, and I want to ask you, has anyone here ever gone on a walk with a small child before? Like, I know some of y'all have small children who can walk. Um, it's, it's a mess trying to take a child on a walk, you know. I've got nephews and I've gone on walks. It takes a really long time to get anywhere. And sometimes you don't even get to where you're wanting to go, Right. Um, you'll be going to a playground, and, and they don't even care about that by the time they get there because they found so many cool things along the way to get into, right? Like, a small child, they're slow, they're curious, very unfocused. It's excruciatingly dif- difficult to get anywhere. They'll, to just walk a short distance can take a long time. There's so many detours. Um, and, and, and what happens when you're with them? You just got to stay right there with them, right? Walking with her, redirecting her encouraging her, smiling and affirming all the interesting things that she finds along the way. The path is never efficient. It is never quick. It is never in a straight line. It is all over the place. And this is how, this is an image I, I, I kind of came to a few years back, but this is really how I'm thinking about my journey with Jesus these days, that Jesus is kind of like the parent and I'm that small child. That, that he's inviting me to go on an adventure. Hey, you want to go for a walk, John? <laughs> and I'm that small, unfocused, curious child who struggles to stay on course. And Jesus is the loving parent who keeps urging me to get back on the path, but allows me to take some detours, affirms my curiosity, but never ever leaves me behind. Since my freshman year in the debacle in the Ichthus prayer tent, I've tried to reimagine my faith. And one image I keep coming back to is this image of a walk. That faith is a long walk with Jesus. He's patient with me. He gives me freedom to explore. 
He encourages me and he keeps calling me to go further and further into the unknown. At different stages of my life, Jesus has said to me, John, let's keep walking. We're not there yet. Come on. I know you don't want to, but let's keep going. I've got risk I want you to take. I've got places I want to take you that you've never seen before. And I'll tell you, the last eight years of pastoring this church have been a wild ride for me and I know for many of you all. We've been through a lot together. We've learned a lot together. I've unlearned more than I've learned probably. I've wanted to quit at times. I've loved it. I've hated it at times. It's been a journey. (laughs) And I'm different now. And I'm not the same as I was when I first started walking with Jesus. And I imagine that's true for many of you all as well. And the cool thing is I won't be the same in eight more years if I keep walking with Jesus because Jesus doesn't waver in his commitment to peace. He doesn't waver in his commitment to you and to me. And he's going to keep leading us if we're willing to follow. And he's going to keep leading us deeper and deeper and further and further. And it might get scarier as we keep going. We might not even realize where we've come. We're like, well, I don't even remember where I've come from. God, you've taken me to so many crazy places. But if we keep following Jesus, then, then we're going to be okay. Because we've got a really good guide to lead us, right? He's going to keep challenging us for the better. A few insights that I just want to summarize here that I've gleaned over the years. I'm thinking of my faith less as kind of a one-time decision or believing the right things, but it's more of a journey of trying to continue walking with Jesus each and every day. I'm trying to worry not so much about the destination, but instead trying to savor the journey. I'm not very good at that very often. I struggle to be present. I struggle to value and find joy in the moment. But God is challenging me. Just enjoy the journey, right? Enjoy the adventure that we're on. I'm trying to focus more on the guide who is leading me and less on the path that I'm walking. And I think right now, in in this most confusing time that we're in, focusing on the guide is really important. It's going to be hard to see the path. We're not exact, there's going to be so many options of things you can go, everybody's got an opinion on what we need to be doing, what you need to believe, how you need to stand on a particular issue or whatever it may be. It's too overwhelming. We can't figure all that out. But if we keep our eyes on Jesus and follow our guide, then I think we're going to be okay. He let him worry about where the path is. You know, when you go hiking in the woods, sometimes I like to do my own trailblazing. That can be dangerous, right? But if you have a guide who knows the way, it's all good. It's all good. Along the path on the Camino, um, you know, we had these guides, like little uh, yellow arrows. And so often we would get off course and we wouldn't know where we were. We'd be in a city and we wouldn't know which way to go. And you always would look for the yellow arrows because they would point you in the right direction. Or there were shells as well that would point you in the right direction. And, and so anytime we got lost, almost always we'd find an arrow on the pavement, on the wall, somewhere. And it would point us in the right way. And we have that. Jesus is our God, pointing us in the direction we need to go. We've got to trust the guide. The last thing that I'm trying to to learn and remember is that I don't walk alone. You know, it's not like a solo journey that Jesus is calling us to where we just got to walk by ourselves. No, we have community. This is what the church is. This is what we are for each other. We have people to walk with, right? Jesus is walking with me, but there's so many others. Jesus didn't go to Jerusalem alone. He had a whole crew with him. 
If you read the story of the triumphal entry, when he finally gets to Jerusalem, he's got all these people waving branches and shouting Hosanna. All this. this was his group. These were his people that decided, I'm going to follow him. Regardless of the cost, we're going with him. He had all these folks, a whole bunch of people with him. And on the Camino, when I was walking, you know, like, we weren't alone. We had each other. We had our group of four. We met some other people along the way. You know, I hurt my knee pretty early on in the adventure. And, and some days it was all jacked up and I struggled to keep walking. I did not want to keep going. But my friends and my wife, they encouraged me to keep going. Some days we got turned around and confused. Didn't know where to go. And some of us were better at maps than others. And so we, we pulled our resources and figured out where we needed to go. Other days we were sad and dealing with hard emotions and hard memories and, and we were able to lift each other up and encourage one another. And, and this is such a beautiful representation, I think, of what the Christian life fundamentally is. We have a good guide to follow, Jesus. We have a good guide to follow and we have each other. We have a good guide and we've got each other. It's, it's so simple, yet it's so profound. And if we can remember that, Stay focused on Jesus and connect and support one another. And I think we're going to be okay. And I also want to say that it's a journey. It's okay if you're not where you want to be. None of us are. None of us are where we ultimately want to be because we're all on this journey of growing and becoming more the people God wants us to be. Dustin taught a class downstairs on the Methodist movement and one of the main of, of Methodism is this idea of sanctification, right? That, that on the cross we're justified and we're made right with God, but then that's just the beginning of the journey. <laughs> like The rest of it is this journey towards sanctification or holiness and becoming more and more like Jesus. And that's the journey that, that most of us are on at this point if we've given our lives to Jesus and decided to follow Him. And we're all on the journey and we're at different places in the journey and that's okay We've got to bear with one another as we walk together. We are all walking this long and difficult road of life with Jesus, and we're being formed and transformed along the way. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.